This week on The Open Esters with Laura Kimball. Let's let's talk realistically. It's really deeply uncomfortable. So I've I've downsized homes more than once. I've gotten rid of 80% of what I ever owned, which in and of itself was was incredibly cleansing and incredibly liberating and incredibly overwhelming and painful when I did it. So there's there's the realities of what we're going to go through. Nobody said it's going to be easy. Making space for what we want requires us, you know, the fastest, you know, I was told this, this wasn't mine. The fastest way to get what you want is to let go of what you don't. Welcome to the Open Esther's podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. Today we're going to meet Laura Campbell, and the reason we called this podcast The Language of the Soul is that it's so exciting for me to begin the discussion that looks at the spiritual essence of these important years when we have the time and space to be still for a while, rather than always do. And we discuss becoming wise and mindfulness and the spiritual experience. So it's been it was such a pleasure for me to interview Laura, who I knew from years back. And, and you know, I'm reading through her bio, and she's way beyond just that. I mean, she, is a, a, she has a diverse background, as I can read. She's a transition and leadership strategist with an MBA from NYU. And she's certified as a life coach and an executive coach. And she's currently working with uh, women to reimagine, redefine, and reshape each and every new chapter, you know, with intention, courage, and grace. Perfect. I, I love listening to her. That's why this interview is so powerful. She's done some writing for the Huffington Post and Medium, and we are lucky to have her with us. So let's hear it from Laura Campbell. Welcome, Laura, to the Open Nesters podcast. I'm so excited, and I've been so looking forward to speaking with you tonight. How are you? I am great, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Great, great. I'm, I, I love how I kind of watched and witnessed your journey that I was saying before we got on. I feel like should be call, you know, we should be calling it growing our wisdom muscle, perhaps. Like just what do we do in this way of becoming wiser? And I do feel like I've watched you do that. So it's that's why I'm so happy to have you here. So why don't we go to your place of introduction, whatever you want to, you know, introduce about yourself and where you came from, where you where you feel you are and where you're growing toward. And we'll just start the discussion from there. 
Yeah. So I, I often think of myself as just a extraordinarily ordinary and perhaps perfectly imperfect person, woman. Um, and I love the opening about the wisdom and we can talk about wisdom and knowledge and how those play together. Um, but I, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I, I hesitate to say a middle-aged woman who's evolving and unfolding and um, with a lot uh, a lot to offer and a lot still to contribute and to create and wanting uh, my, my, you know, my, my, my passion in the world is around uh, supporting women to reclaim control or intentionality around how they are unfolding and to shift the conversation perhaps around how we look at not so much aging, but moving through the various ages and stages. So, which is different than I think just aging. It's a different conversation. Absolutely. It, it helps us become wise. And when we look at it that way, it, sh it shifts everything. So I, I, I'm so curious. So why, so I know a lot about your background, but why don't you give our, our listeners an understanding of where you came from as far as your divorce years back and what, where was the transition and that where were the big surprises and transitions in your life as you became and have become an open nester over the last few years with your kids not not needing you to the same extent so that's what i wanted to try to go back yeah. to there's been so much so many transitions for me right i mean uh married young um, had children young um got divorced i was young <laughs> my kids were young when i got divorced so so all of these these um significant milestones and crossroads happened uh, very early for me and while I grew and evolved and transformed in those moments, I didn't get the full benefit of the wisdom of those crossroads until later, where I really was able to reflect back and look at, oh yeah, this is what I really gained and how I grew and, and evolved during those moments in time. Um, I'm also someone who's had a, a sec, I had a second long-term relationship, a second, um, wasn't a marriage legally, but it was a 10 year relationship, which was, really informed, uh, you know, was another important part of my life. And since my um, open nesting, uh, it's, it's, it's opened up an entirely new and different opportunity for, you know, in my word, unfolding for me, you know, which I define as the process of, of becoming. And, um, and it doesn't necessarily always mean becoming something new, it sometimes and often is um, a return to becoming more of who we already are, which I think is a really has been a big moment, a big understanding over over my life. A big part of my wisdom is is really recognizing how so many of these moments, those transitional moments, also can disconnect us from parts of who we are. And so that process of unfolding can also be a, just a reconnecting uh, back to those parts of, of ourself that want more to be more fully expressed. So beautiful. And actually, we were we were chatting before about I had just listened to a Krista Tibbet uh, on being podcast with Sharon Salzberg, who brought uh, mindfulness to the West. She's one of the few people that's credited with that. And mindfulness has so much to do with that because she talks about 
she talked on this podcast about meditation not being about kind of creating success and rather about coming back and and having the compassion to start over and doing it with such an with an open heart and a wiser space and an expansion rather than a contraction and i do feel like that's what i've watched and witnessed you do so i always saw you as a very high achieving woman and I, I wonder if you'll go back to talking a little bit about that and why sometimes and how we balance that. Because, for example, you mentioned this transition earlier. What, what was different about the transition back then to now this transition of becoming an open nester? And so the people can kind of relate to what was it that perhaps you saw as, as a transition and then what tripped you up there, perhaps, in order to look at this next stage? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years and through all, all of my many ages and stages and transitions is, is that we're always in, we're, we're really always at a, at the starting line. There's no actual finish line. And we, we often come into, and I think, I think this goes for everyone, but I, my, my lens is often on, on women and um, I can speak for myself that, that this high achieving part of me, which has always been, has always been focused on, on, a, on a finish line, right? For a lot, for when I was young, the finish line was you go to college. When you come out of college, you get a good job and then you get married and then you have children. There were all these finished, there was all these finish lines to, you know, to, you know, to run through and cross, cross. And I was really good at, um, at checking those off at, you know, for me, that was a big part of that part of my life of what it looked like to have aspirations and ambition was to, to reach those, those finish line milestones. And I did. And, and yet when we're thinking about finish lines and when there's really actually no real finish lines, we, we can get discombobulated. We can lose a North star. We can lose um, focus on what matters most. And um, that was, that's been part of my greatest evolution is recognizing that it's really just always, uh, you know, it's always being at the starting gate. It's always being at the, the beginning. And, and that gives an entirely different frame because when you don't have a fabricated or a preconceived finish line, then we are forced to really reflect on um, what is, how is it that we are becoming? Like what, what, what is it that we're striving and achieving? And that can be really uncomfortable. uncomfortable. I was going to say, we, I mean, there's a lot of discomfort now, right now with COVID, with our lives, with facing this uncertainty in our lives and holding this, you know, the darkness and the light, this, this trying to stay optimist, optimistic while we're so uncertain. And I think as we get pushed into transitions, we the the way we can learn to hold it is is really is really the the question how to become wise through that and just by accepting that yeah. and so when you had the transition younger was it a little bit more of a violent was it a more difficult transition and why how does it feel different now that you so, have learned you know, to unfold this I, I look at how is um, and you and I talked a little bit about this I I, I I've shifted my prop my thought process from you know, we often talk about change and we talk about transition, which can be very situational, you know, becoming, um, you know, beco becoming a wife or partner is a change. Becoming a mother is another change. It's another transition. 
um, getting a job, losing a job, um, the death of, of someone close to us, financial, either abundance, huge success or financial loss. They're, those are all changes and they're situational and they offer, um, they offer us the opportunity to kind of someone like me to move into doing it, doing the change, right? So the logistics, the things, you know, you, you push through it, you do what you have to do. We hear it all the time. And you hear that it's a dog eat dog world too, which is something I've always resisted. And so I love the idea that we don't have to fight this thing all the freaking time. Like that's key to learning, right? No, no. And so what, what, what we're not great at overall, and I particularly, you know, uh, grew over the years to recognize is that uh, we're not particularly good at holding uncertainty. And for those of us who are inclined to, to be ambitious, we want to fix it. We want to do it. We want to plan. We want to move forward and we keep ourselves super, super busy. Right. And the old expression being busy isn't living is really true. It, it, it movement, it feels like movement per se, but it's not necessarily necessarily moving us where we want to go or bringing into our life the way we want to feel. And that's a huge awakening, right? That's a huge awakening is that um, even in the doing, we can not feel the way we want. And even in the uncertainty and the discomfort of sitting in uncertainty, actually that can bring us closer often to where, what it is that we really want. And sometimes the discomfort is, is where we, when we come back to, it's almost like when we're most vulnerable and we stay with it and stay through that hurt. And, and the truth is some things do hurt. Life hurts. This is not like, okay, I'm going to just make sure I get it done and do it and keep doing that. Rather, how do we embrace the emotions of being present with it? And then also there's a, you know, I don't know if you probably know, or we can look up and post the roomy poem I always use for the guest house. How do we welcome the emotions? How do we welcome them as visitors and not, not get up, not like welcome them to take over our home. Rather we say, oh, okay, that's what's going on right now welcome it with curiosity and say, and let me see if you can have a little meal with me and then leave, let it like being with it long enough. And that's what Sharon Salzberg was saying today, very much about that meal thing, right? Don't let this visiting force overtake you, but letting us welcome that. And, 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 and if you want, you could even just say, I'm just going to give you a cup of coffee to go. I love this. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, you know, and, you know, I, 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 what's worked for me in recent years is the notion of letting emotion flow through me. And so sometimes it flows through quickly and gently. And sometimes it's, you know, it's those, the sobs that take you over and it feels like it'll never leave, but it does. Right. That's why they talk about waves of grief and the, the waves can be big. They can be tidal-ish, tidal wave-ish, but, but it does move through us. Yeah, Sharon Schultzberg talked about patterns of weather, that if we look at it as accept those patterns of weather, yeah. we recognize that we're so not in control and look at what we're all experiencing now and what we have to just surrender to because we didn't do anything wrong. It's just a part of what is. And sometimes our transitions are just that. And so becoming an open nester, as for some women who really have an art, have, you know, try to fill their days, I think that's what a lot of, you know, or there's a, just a sadness 
and there's an uncertainty in that transition part for a woman with being coming an open nester. So I wonder if you can shift to that specifically about any of the things you went through. And yeah, so yeah. I'd love to hear. Yeah, no, no, happy to. And, and one of the things I tell every single woman that I work with is, and my fa it's one of my favorite, is just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there, right? We just can't always see what's coming next and and we want to and which is why we push ourselves so hard to figure it out and find a solution and and but but we're never going to we're never going to be able to see something that isn't there yet and so practicing trust practicing surrender has been a very newish thing for me in recent years as part of my own empty you know empty nesting process is trusting that that what I want to create is there. What I want to have in my life is there. I just can't see it yet. And, and knowing though that, that there's something greater than me that is supporting um, and, and, and conspiring, you know, the universe is conspiring to, to help bring what I want into my life. But let's, let's talk realistically. It's really deeply uncomfortable. So I've, I've downsized homes more than once. I've gotten rid of 80% of what I ever owned, which in and of itself was, was incredibly cleansing and incredibly liberating and incredibly overwhelming and painful when I did it. So there's, there's the realities of what we're going to go through. Nobody said it's going to be easy. Making space for what we want requires us, you know, the fastest, you know, I was told this, this wasn't mine. The fastest way to get what you want is to let go of what you don't, but you have to be willing to let go of what you don't. And we like to cling, we cling, we cling to that, even if we don't really like it, but it's comfortable. Why? Because we know it. And it's more, even that discomfort's more comfortable than saying, yeah, I don't know if there's another relationship waiting for me. Hi, this is Amir, and if you're enjoying this soulful discussion, and stay tuned for part two, you would love episode four about space, where Tessa and I discuss allowing one another the space to grow and evolve in a 30-year marriage, as well as Tessa's rich discussion with Joy Okoye, episode seven, about trust, uncertainty, and surrender. This episode called Following the Yes. You know, I've had lots of, I've been partnered a great percentage of my life. I'm not partnered now. I want to and, and envision an incredibly beautiful partnership. I'm trusting that that and is so going when, to unfold. When you, and you actually, I mean, you didn't mention this to, to us yet, but I know you've moved. And that's a big thing for a lot of people moving on their own and just trusting and, and, you know, the idea that we, we get out of that transition instead of holding on, like you just said, clutching, and we release it to what we're curious about. So tell us what, what, what led you into your curiosity to start exploring. So there, there, I, 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 I often tell people 2018 was a, was a rough year for me. I can't, the only way I describe it now is, so I cried a lot. I don't know why I cried a lot. I cried a lot. I, there were always tears and I would say, why am I crying? Why am I crying right now? I've come to know and to, to in my own journey, to believe that 
our soul is speaking to us. It's our, our bodies and our soul know what we want and need. We don't listen often and we really don't listen so well. And so it comes to us in lots of different languages, right? There's lots of the, the languages of our soul. We have to translate. So for me now, I, I knew I knew something was happening, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't know what I needed. And I grasped at things that, you know, is it therapy? Is it a coach? Is it a, like, what is it that I need that's gonna help me? I ultimately decided to go on a retreat, which also in and, itself, in and of itself was super painful decision because I was like, is this gonna fix it? I'm an, I'm an achiever, I wanna know how. How am I gonna know that they're gonna fix me and that I'm gonna be better and that my money's gonna be a wise investment and blah, 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 blah. All of the things, all the voices were like screaming at my head, but I intuitively knew I needed something I know now the tears was they they were the language of my soul saying there is something that is missing and this we're we're going to keep crying we're going to make you cry until you listen and we're going to make it so unbearable I encourage right so here's where I'll make my little statement that I'm a I I I am a believer and obviously respect that there's there's an absolutely diagnosable you know, condition that is depression, right? Clinical depression and all that goes with it. And that, that there's therapeutic and there's, you know, treatment for it. But I think sometimes, sometimes we're very quick to label ourselves and diagnose ourselves when sometimes it just may be our soul is saying, is speaking in a language we don't yet listen, we don't yet understand for what we need. And it can sometimes look like crying and it can sometimes look like drinking too much. And it, you know, I I have a lot of women right now saying, you know, I think I'm having a few too many glasses of wine a week. I think I need to backpedal. So I think sometimes it's just these things, overeating, overspending, overexercising, the, the things that we are doing sometimes is our soul saying, hey, I'm, I want to invite you to do a little deeper work. There's, there's other things you need and want. Let's, let's pay attention so to that. it's a fight and flight, fight and flight thing that even, for example, sometimes it can be a freezing thing, which we go want to sleep. And there are all kinds of responses that right. I think are our, our, our soul is communicating. And I love that you're talking about it being a language that we don't yet understand. That is such a, something to just question. And so when you questioned it, how did you find the retreat? How did you, how did you start feeling like you had a knowing? How did that start come from like that curiosity? How did that evolve? You know, again, the, the, the universe is funny. I was invited to go hear an author speak and I went to go hear him speak. And his name was Chip Conley, um, is Chip Conley. And um, he spoke about his new book, Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And the book is fabulous, by the way. Um, and it talks quite, a, it's all about wisdom. He talked about that he had just opened the Modern Elder Academy in Baja, Mexico. And I went online and, and there was a program called Soul Journey. And I just, in, I just intuitively was like, oh my goodness, I be, I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to be there. And it, I made myself crazy. I, I cried. I talked to my parents. I couldn't make up my mind. I wanted to talk to the facilitator and, you know, I just it, it may, saying yes to things that scare us 
when we need them the most is, is excruciating. It's excruciating. And so we have to sometimes fight through that and say yes to some things that are frightening. I truly believe the things that scare us the most are also what will ultimately transform us the most. So you're really in a new space. It is so beautiful. I mean, I I hear it in you. And and so you made the move to Florida because, I mean, I I don't remember what you, if you had mentioned that to me. So why did you end up making that move? So when I was at this retreat, which was a tech detox for two weeks. So I was really with myself and in trying to listen to myself. I cried a lot, but I also gave myself, I mean, there was tons of space there. And I, I came away with a few things that I had disconnected from a few parts of myself that needed reconnection. And one of them was dance and movement. And I love dance and movement. And I had not indulged in the practice of that in my life. One was nature. I had been in a relationship where we did so much in nature. And when that relationship ended, I did not find a new practice on my own of connecting to and being in nature. And I didn't realize how much that impacted me. And one was a spiritual practice. I'd I'd had my own relationship, you know, um, and tension with my own religion, Judaism. And I hadn't really, since my divorce, which was 14 years earlier, hadn't really anchored into some kind of spiritual practice. And it was there that I was like, okay, I'm going to bring some of these, I'm going to dip my toe in and begin to build these practices into my life. And I think I need to move a new environment. And so that was, I, I, you know, there are lots of reasons why I chose Florida and I'm going to be moving again because I'm much quicker now at saying, how does this feel trying on this state, trying on this environment and this, it, it's beautiful and it's not quite the right fit. It's kind of like trying on a shoe. It's not quite the right fit for me. But, but my, you know, my invitation is that we all disconnect for so many reasons from parts of ourselves. You, you're disconnecting and you don't realize it. And so that's when I think that's when the kernel of our soul begins to say, to tap gently on us. Like, um, hello, there's things here that are important to us and they're not getting nurtured. And that's, for me, what I've learned is how this thing works. And it happens over ages and stages. And and with a lot of patience and and you've had that. And that's why I think it's just wonderful to watch this journey, to watch you on it. So have your children watched you? I want to just, you know, go a little bit to them. Have they watched that and how have they witnessed that? And how, how is that impacting them? And how do you set boundaries to be with them in a way that is, is genuine at this stage of your life and works for you as well as it does? I have two sons. And, um, they, it's very interesting. I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of writing publicly on social media, uh, particularly Facebook. I process a lot. Um, there are certain things I don't write. There are certain things that are just no nos for me. And partially that is for the kids, right? I don't talk about their father. I don't talk about that only in very generic terms and, and, and through a lens of, of how they will feel if they, read that. But I share everything else. They really do know about my evolution. They know about the choices that I'm making, why I'm making them, the parts of me that I felt disconnected from. And I want, I I share as openly as I do 
for them and for every single person, because I recognize that in doing so, it becomes an invitation for others, right? That any, anything, and I, and more than anything else, I want for my kids to know that they too are going, are, are unfolding. They're at an early part, but their life is going to be one beautiful journey of unfolding. And I want them to see that there is, there can be intention around it and grace and beauty and that it also looks uncomfortable and it looks courageous and it looks vulnerable and all of those pieces i want them to recognize that there's there's strength strength in all of that that it that going through these things doesn't mean that any of us are falling apart it's it's we can we can we can crack open and not fall apart and I want them to know that that is very, very possible. And so that's been kind of the genesis of why I share in the open way that I do with them. And sometimes it makes them uncomfortable, but more often than not, um, they are learning, whether they tell me that they are or not. And they're I, boys I, in their 20s. I, I mean, boys in their 20s are not going to give you such an effusive emotional response unless they're very wise and mature from a whole other place. And yet I do feel like I remember you've said to me, or I remember you mentioning that you were not, I've met and spoken to another another number of women who have said they're helicopter moms. And I know that that's not been your MO. And even now, so how do you realize more that you can just give them their space and they, how do they appreciate that? How does that work? Yeah. So our, our early on, as they got closer to leaving, right. Talk about, uh, you know, open nesting, as they got close to leaving the house, we had an, a, an actual conversation, almost a, it was a passing of the baton. I felt like it was a very passing of the baton kind of conversation, which was that um, it had been my job to that point to hold the majority responsibility for the quality and connectedness of our relationship. And as they were getting ready to leave the house, that the baton had to be passed and it had to make us 50-50 owners of the quality and the depth and the connectedness of our relationship. And so my, 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 my request my, to them was that they, they accept that 50% and that I couldn't, and nor was it, I, I didn't think it was healthy for me to own more than that. And that they would have to hold 50-50 responsibility in any relationship they have going forward, friend, friend, lover, partner. And so, you know, I, maybe I step slightly over 50, but not much. And when they aren't leaning into their 50, we that have conversations about That is such a beautiful way to frame it. And I'm sure that's not, you know, that's also has its discomfort because we can easily avoid that and either be overreactive in the same way that takes us away from being mindful and, and want to grasp and want to grasp and want to be scared for them or fear for them or fix them, which we can't, or we can become you know, withdrawn because they're not, or, or you know, and, and insulted and, and, and get into our own little, you know, pity parties. And, and that is not going to give them the space to become the humans you want them to become by giving them that 
that expanded heart. And I, and I love the fact that we have to keep coming back to remember that because it's not a perfect road. It's just we have to figure it out all the time again. And it's continual realizing that we can't fix them. And yet we want to nourish them however we are able to when they want to give us when they want to come toward us like any relationship should be, you step in to you step into it. You know, here, here's what always drives me is that clearly my life has been unfolding in ways I didn't imagine, right? I never, I didn't walk down the aisle to my wedding expecting I would be divorced. I didn't imagine that I'd be in another relationship and that that would end, right? As I celebrate my parents, you know, reaching 60 years together, right? I never, that's what I thought was going to happen. And that's not what happened. So I've had so many things happen in my life and my my lens on parenting is what have i needed to navigate that with grace and intention and my job is to make sure that my kids have what they need to navigate whatever comes their way with grace and intention and if i didn't give them a long leash and let them just live their lives and lean in when I feel they really can't, but to give them the chance to figure it out, they will not grow the capabilities they will need in order to navigate the things that come at them. And trust me, all of our children, they will have lots of things coming at them over their lifetime. And so that's, that is what actually drives my parenting choices. And the other thing is, and I think we can, you know, I'll speak about this honestly, is mothers particularly because of societal definitions and norms, women often lose themselves in their children. And so one of the things that has, you know, when we need our children's affirmation of love as a means of feeling strong and secure and courageous in our own lives, that's a, that's a, that's a bit of a dangerous road because we can't give them the freedom to leave us and to, if, if we need them in that way. And so the, the healthiest antidote to that, to being able to, to let your kids fly is to strengthen your own foundation of your own life. And so I've been fortunate through everything to, to, to devote, I'm, I'm very intentional and rigorous and devoted about my own life and the strengthening of my own life. Beautiful. I love how you phrase that. So let's talk about how you are flying, like as, as a woman in the world, even with sexually, how, how you're allowing yourself to not be taken down by the programming of what a lot of women are, sti- are stifled by in their lives. So allowing for that opening because it allows you to find your rebirth and your creativity and your womanhood through your sexuality as well. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, if you'd be comfortable speaking about it. Totally comfortable speaking about that. So I really, our sensuality, our sexuality is merely an expression of how we feel about ourselves ultimately. And so, you know, in working with so many women, that's where we have to begin. We have to begin with nurturing ourselves and our own sensuality and exploring our own sexuality and knowing that we don't need permission from anyone. We actually just need permission from ourselves and to to be safe and to be um, honest about the things that we do and the ways in that the, the choices that we make. But outside of that, for me, there are no rules. So I think sexual exploration is a beautiful thing. I 
I've had many, many men and different kinds of relationships that have all been beautiful and served a purpose and allowed me to, um, as long as they feel good and there's open, you know, conversation and communication and there's, and no one is, is vulnerably vulnerable emotionally, that there's nobody who's at risk of, of being harmed or hurt. My feeling is anything that's goes. How you learn about and yourself. so that's how we learn about our womanhood and our sexuality by, by exploring it without having a certain lens that restricts us. So it's, I, I, you know, I, I was so encouraged to hear that, that that is not something that's blocking you because it, it does open up a well. And are there any things that you had that you learned um, along the way that you would tell other women that way, whether it's different programs or different, and I think you love Pamela Madsen, you had mentioned to me back to the body. And, but if there are other resources or places that you think you can help that women can get f freer, anything that you've discovered on your own too? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, there's women that are single, women that are in marriages. It's like, he here's where it gets really a little bit tricky is that it begins with being honest with ourselves about what, what we want and need. And that's really, really hard. I, I, I tell people before I got divorced, the hardest part about the divorce was admitting to myself that I wanted the divorce. Then I had to tell Ken, you know, we had to have that conversation. And then I had to tell the boys, but actually saying to myself that that's what I wanted and needed was hard. So when it comes to s sexuality, I think women get really, really tied up in what they're supposed to do and what their religions tell them and what their friends will think and what they, they, they're judging themselves. And so here's what I would say. I think it's really important in a healthy relationship par partnership monogamous or not is to continue to have the open conversations and to continue to negotiate and to redefine the relationships we're in, in ways that keep it exciting and fresh and that honor what we want and need. The same would go for, for single women. And I've been very open about that. There's beautiful places for having um, partners with benefits and to being able to nurture ourselves sexually, even if it's not the right permanent relationship, or, I mean, there's so, there's so much to be gained and not just sexually, right? There's so much to be gained as far as intimacy and depth and trust and all of those things that are just beautiful expressions that can come from different kinds of relationships at the right moment. Oh, that that open right up time. a side of ourselves that we, when we allow them to, but comes from knowing ourselves and being very honest. I completely agree. Like knowing what feels okay to us and not obviously doing things for others. So that's the first step for sure. So the last thing we're just to kind of wind down a little bit here. What other things would you say would be helpful for someone to manage uncertainty and transition and to unfold anything else that we haven't discussed or anything else that you want to close with? there is an intentional way to look at our lives unfolding that we are not just you know we're not just on a river being carried by a current that yes there are lots of there are ways that 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 we are being presented all the time with opportunities but we have to be we have to have practices in our life that allow us to see those opportunities and and i think people feel stuck in so many ways that they aren't there's always ways to, to, to create energy in a situation or relationship that, that gives it some movement that we truly aren't ever really stuck. It doesn't mean that things happen overnight. It doesn't mean that there's a quick fix, 
but there is a way to put things in motion that can allow us to continue on our journey. And so that if anyone is feeling stuck um, or trapped or like they can't see the path forward, really important to uh, give yourself the gift, give yourself permission to get support around that, to, to be able to find, and it's often, I say this when I work with women going through divorce, I'll say it now, it's not your friends and family. It's often someone else who can tell you some of the things that you can't see for yourself. They call it a Johari's window, right? It's the things we can't see. So I just really want to encourage people not to, not to stay comfortably stuck because it, it, it hurts in ways that you, you probably Beautiful. aren't recognizing. And are there, are there any resources that you would point to or places or coaches or, you know, things that you would start with? Well, I mean, in the sexuality realm, I, uh, there, yeah, there, I mean, there's, listen, I think Glennon Doyle's book Untamed is a really beautiful, it's a really powerful book, uh, that, that talks very, very honestly about, you know, coming honesty in one's life about what, what really matters most and what, what they need and want. I think, I think Untamed is a beautiful, beautiful book. I mean, I have, I'm a, I have a book fetish. So I've got a, a tremendous number of books that are really helpful. I think if you want to learn to practice surrender, um, Tosha Silver's book, Outrageous Openness is a beautiful book. Unintimidating and quirky, but she she's funny and she, but if you want to dabble in what it looks like to surrender and find more comfort in uncertainty, when I read her book, I was just so grateful. She literally is just saying, turn it all over. It's already predetermined. You don't even have to worry about it. I was so liberated. I'm like, oh my God, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. It's clearly just going to happen. So it was, she was brilliant for me. Very, very um, important. The only other person that I think is really helpful, was very helpful for me. Her name is Sarah Blondin. Her meditations are incredibly beautiful. And her latest book is about, you know, heart sent heart mindedness, heart open sent open hearted heart mindedness. It's, it's a beautiful book. And, and her, and her insight timer um, uh, meditations are free. The guided meditations on insight timer are so famous. worth, worth picking up. She has beautiful meditations. Thanks beautiful for meditations. reminding me. That's great. Good stuff. So thank you so much, Laura. We'll hopefully um, spend some time soon or I'll get to Colorado or Florida and look forward to seeing you in person. Anytime. Bye, honey. Take care. That was a great, great interview, Tessa. Wonderful, really. Well done. And I've listened to this interview twice and then once <laughs> while I was editing. And I'm also an achiever and there's a lot for me to learn. I'm also the one that always, always rushing to the finish line. And it's a lesson for me to learn, to enjoy the journey, whether I'm an open nester uh, and an individual. doesn't really matter. We are all on a journey to continue becoming. And this opportunity of open nesting gives us that time of this journey. So we say yes to things that scare us. And I love that. And we go towards reconnecting to these genuine parts of ourselves that maybe we have lost. And I actually read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. So I wanted to say that she talks about sometimes we have to fall apart in order to put ourselves back together. And as women, we are not martyrs. We need to be models. So I love a lot of that information. I hope all of you take a lot with you. 
And if you'd like to contact Laura Campbell, uh, you just go to her website, Laura W. Campbell, that's C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L dot com, Laura W. Campbell dot com. You can read her blogs. You can contact her. I'm sure she'll be delighted to respond. And if you're already on the website, hey, go into our website, theopennesters.com. That's the open nesters, that double N in the middle and S at the end. Uh, leave us a note. Let us know what you think. Drop a note and tell us if you'd like to be a, a guest on our show, and we would love to contact you. And you can find us on all the social media platforms, The Open Nesters, and on our private discussion group where we are engaging with thinking about this stage of life together. So join us in all these places, and we hope to see you next time here on The Open Nesters next week. Till next time, this is Amir. And I'm Tessa. Ciao.